Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Have you ever forgotten something? I mean something really important. We put reminders on our calendars. We set prompts on our phones. We put save-the-date magnets on the refrigerators. We make ourselves notes. We tie strings around our fingers. We write things on our hands. We do that for events like appointments, birthdays, other significant events. But how much more important is it to remind ourselves of what God has done for us and what He expects from us? I came across a document online the other day. It was one of those how-to kind of things, but this was unusual. It was how to build an altar of remembrance in your home. It went through the list of finding a suitable place, getting photos, candles, and the like. But the idea stuck in my mind, an altar of remembrance. I believe if we are going to have hope in troubled times, We need some perpetual reminders of God's steadfastness. Call it an altar of remembrance. When Paul wrote his last letter, he could have spoken of the seven wonders of the ancient world. He could have described Greek culture, Roman government. He could have devoted this letter to his philosophy of life, but he didn't. He told Timothy, I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith. I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. Remembrance. In his previous letter to Timothy, Paul commanded him to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And what did he define the good minister as being? The great apostle would say that a good minister puts the brethren in remembrance of important things. God values remembering. It's a quality of God, the ability to remember. Genesis 8, God remembered Noah. Genesis 30, God remembered Rachel. Nehemiah 1, God remembered me, said Nehemiah. Job cried out to God, remember me. Maybe it was Jehoshaphat, the remembrancer, who recorded the words of David as he said, Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness. Remember not the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. God, you remember. We take great delight in the fact that there are some things God chooses to no longer remember. He wipes from his memory banks our past sins. He refuses to remember those things for which he has forgiven us. Yet we should also delight in the fact that God remembers that you and I are not forgotten by God. Our tears are stored in bottles in heaven. In Ezekiel 9, six angels were sent to destroy Jerusalem. One of the six, however, had a special task. Mark those who sigh and cry. Literally put the mark, write the Hebrew letter top, which looks like a cross on those who sigh and cry, for they will be protected. Look at the cross and you see the God who remembers. We're like the thief on that cross with this simple plea, Lord, remember us when you come into your kingdom. He does. He remembers. Engraved with iron pens and rock forever is God's abiding love for us. God once asked, can a woman forget her nursing child that she would not have compassion on that child? 
God said, well, they may forget, but I'll never forget you. God remembers. At the cross, you were engraved on the palms of his hands. As God remembers, so he commands us to be like him, to remember as well. Joseph, you're in prison, but you're not alone. And we read in prison, Genesis 42, Joseph remembered the dreams God gave him. Moses, tell the people, sanctify yourselves, prepare yourself, consecrate yourselves. And after this, God said, remember this day in which you came out from Egypt out of the house of bondage. Remember the Lord who delivered you. There's something about consecration that encourages our memory. Holiness ignites a sacred flame. Remember the days of old. Remember the word of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember Lot's wife. How many times were we commanded to remember? What about this? Remember the five loaves and two fishes. Remember those who have rule over you. And Ephesus, remember from where thou art fallen. And in the Lord's Supper, he said, this do in remembrance of me. Remembrance is largely voluntary. We choose what to remember. We choose what to forget. God is saying to us, choose to remember me. Choose to remember what is important in your life so that when you're faced with a hopeless situation, you're faced with troubles and trials, recognize that through your memory, hope can be engendered. Paul wrote, Timothy, I have remembered thee in my prayers day and night. This is the altar of remembrance. It's pouring out our souls before God for what is vital to our existence. Only what we pray about is what we actually remember. And only what we place on the altar of prayer is worth remembering. So how does one build an altar of remembrance? I think you look to the life of Abraham, the father of all faith. His life is summed up with three words, tents, wells, and altars. And within those words are the biographical sections of this great man of faith. He was a pilgrim. He had shallow tent stakes. He was a shepherd. He dug wells of refreshing. He was a worshiper. He built altars. One day he looked at his servants and said, stay here and I and the lad will go worship yonder. Abraham was no stranger to sacrifice. Indeed, all of those who will be faithful in their service to the king will learn to build altars. Abraham's grandson was an altar builder. Jacob set up some rocks at Bethel. That altar said, I don't want to forget this. And 21 years later, he would climb the same hill. He would return to that altar and say, God, I have not forgotten how you met me, how you kept me, how you brought me through. God calls each of us to build altars of remembrance. When we were building the church in Pearland, a suburb of Houston, we had to choose a street address. We had a block of numbers we could choose from, something like from 1842 to 1856. One of the ministers in the church said, I think 1848 would be good. It's easy to remember. But I said, yes, but we need to name 1850 Broadway. I never explained to anyone then why I wanted 1850. And the explanation has to do with an altar of remembrance. My parents began their move to Alaska when I was 17. My dad had retired from the plant where he worked and began working on the North Slope. 
The long flights to and from the slope to Anchorage to Houston were wearing on him. So my mom got a teaching job in the Anchorage School District. And a few weeks before I turned 18, I left home to live in an apartment complex with a couple of friends from church. The apartment was closer to where I was going to college. It was closer to the office where I sold real estate. It was closer to the several grocery stores where I would work a few all-nighters stocking groceries. It was close to the refineries where I worked occasionally as a welder's helper during the summer months. It was close to my friends, but most importantly, it was close to my altar. You see, that apartment was located at the edge of our church's parking lot. My schedule was not like that of many of my friends. I had little free time. When I finished school, I went to work. When I finished work, I went back to the apartment. Everyone was already asleep. I would walk across the parking lot, and there was a side glass door that I had a key to. And I would slip into a dark prayer room. And in the middle of the night, in the wee hours of the morning, I would talk to God and say, God, what are you going to do in my life? God, what do you have planned for me? God, what is truth? God, who will I marry? It was in that prayer room that I placed my question marks before God, and God melted them away. It was in that prayer room that convictions were formed. It was at an altar of sacrifice that I gave my heart fully to the Lord. There in that church building in Houston on 2950 Broadway. So for me, the church I pastored in Pearland should be 1850 Broadway. It brought me back to my altar, to the place where I first called on the face of God. I believe every generation needs to build an altar of remembrance. This generation is no exception. We've been given so much. The wonders of technology have unlocked a 24-7 global marketplace. Any question that can be asked, you can find answers online, sometimes correctly. Our every random thought is available for the world to see on social media. We have greater conveniences. We have better homes, better jobs. But we are at our poorest when we don't have an altar of remembrance. It was under the oak tree found in Shechem that Jacob buried the treasures of his altarless existence. He buried the false gods Rachel had brought with her from Mesopotamia. And he said, we're going back to the true altar. Family, come and go with me. We're going back to Bethel. We're going back to my altar of remembrance. Memory has a flame. We think of people who hurt us and we burn. But we need to replace that inferior flame with the memory of God and all he has done and you will burn again. It was a half century ago, young Jackie Kennedy, who was fluent in French, went to Paris, and she was a sensation. The other partner of her fictitious Camelot, John F. Kennedy, was there as well. But the nation focused on Jackie. And while laying a wreath at the Arc de Triomphe, where France has their tombs for unknown soldiers, something caught Jackie's eye, the so-called eternal flame. It would only be a year or two later, as the nation prepared to mourn JFK's passing in Boston, that young widow said he will not be buried in the family plot. He will be buried in Arlington. He belongs to the people. And outside of the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington, JFK's grave is the most visited in America. And at the foot of the grave, Jackie placed an eternal flame. Has the flame ever gone out? 
Tom Sherlock, the cemetery's historian, said the flame burns 24 hours a day, but obviously it is only as eternal as anything man can make. There are times we have to shut it off for maintenance. Inclement weather, however, will not extinguish the flame. It's only as eternal as anything man can make. An altar of remembrance blessed by God is only that eternal. It requires you and me to become keepers of the flame. That's why Paul was saying to Timothy, remember, stir up the gift that is on the inside of you. So long as you can remember, then the fire will burn again. I remember that old song by Dottie Rambo, roll back the curtain of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Remember I'm human. Humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. He will remind you. But it's up to you and me to keep that flame alive. To build an altar of remembrance before God and say, I choose to remember the good things God has done for me in my life. And when I'm going through a trial and hope seems so very, very dim, I will return to my altar of remembrance and I will remind myself again and again here in my life, there in my life, the Lord showed up and the Lord performed mighty acts in my world. I believe that God is instructing and bidding each and every one of us. Let's go back. Let's rebuild an altar of remembrance. Let's remind ourselves of the goodness of the almighty God. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.